Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Genesis. And we're going to read Genesis chapter 17, which may be found in the Church Bible on page 16 and page 17. So Genesis 17, and in this passage we read of God's covenant, that is his promise to Abraham. So let us hear the word of God as we read it in Genesis chapter 7, and that's on page 16, and we'll be reading all 27 verses. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him, I will make him fruitful, and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. 
On that Friday, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household were bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Amen. I'd like to ask the boys and girls Now most of you have heard me say before uh, that my home county is County Fermanagh in the west of the province and any time Fermanagh uh, appears in the news, my ears tend to prick up to hear what is happening there. And about a month ago, there was a very interesting uh, story or news item uh, on television news. And it was about a discovery that a man had made some years ago. He was out with a metal detector and he was going over this area of bog looking to see what he could find. Uh, and uh, he hit upon something and started digging and found what he thought was the spring of an old car. Just a small piece of curved metal. This guy obviously is some kind of prospector or collector because later he was looking through some magazine. This was several years later. Uh, and he saw something very, very similar to what he had brought home and put away in the drawer. And he went and he got it out. Uh, and uh, he decided that he better take this uh, to the museums and get it examined. Because of its similarity in appearance and description uh, to what was in this article. And as it turns out, the item is 3,000 years old. And it is a piece, not of an old car, spring, but of gold jewellery. Gold jewellery. And apparently it is worth, well they haven't yet valued it, but they expect it will be worth a vast, vast sum uh, of money. And it has been declared an item of national treasure. Well this morning I'm going to talk to you about an item of great spiritual treasure. And it's more even than 3,000 years old. And it's more precious than all the gold and all the silver that we could find on all the earth. I want to talk to you this morning about God's covenant. God's covenant. goes back to the very beginning. When God made man and put him in the Garden of Eden, he made a covenant with him. And that theme of covenant continues throughout Scripture. And it's a term that we are not very familiar with today. But it is a term that occurs 12 times in Genesis chapter 17 
page 17 in the church Bible. And so you read this chapter uh, and you don't need a metal detector. You don't need to be a genius to realize this chapter is unfolding more of God's covenant. And in fact, we see that this covenant is not just some ancient relic that you can go and look at in a museum uh, and it's only of that kind of value, but rather this is a covenant that is of tremendous value and importance and significance and blessing for you and me and us today. Because three times in this chapter it's described as an everlasting covenant. Verse 7, verse 13 and verse 19. Now you could preach a whole series of sermons arising out of this, but I am going to preach one sermon today. And if you want to see the fullness of this and how this covenant is everlasting right into the New Testament, right through to the end of time when Christ will come again, then read Galatians chapter 4 and read Romans chapter 4. Because Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles, the Apostle to the nations of the earth, he showed how this covenant made with Abraham the Jew is a covenant that is still binding and living and real and meaningful in the days of Paul when the Gentiles the nations are coming into salvation with God through Christ. Covenant is not a word that is part of our everyday vocabulary. And it can seem largely unfamiliar to us. And so we need to discover its meaning and its riches in Scripture and through Scripture. The closest you and I come outside of scripture to the word covenant is at a marriage service. Because marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. For life, a solemn binding agreement. Or maybe you go into the solicitor's office uh, uh, to make a will or some other legal document. And many legal documents are described as covenants. If you're a trustee of any organization, then you will um, be, uh, you'll have signed a covenant. My covenant, we want to think about it then this morning under the heading Discovering um, the Treasures of God's Covenant. Discovering the Treasures of God's Covenant. And we want to see in the first place, we want to discover in the first place who his covenant is with. Discovering who his covenant is with. And it is with individuals. It's with Abraham in this chapter. Look at verse 7 and verse 2 where the Lord says, Between me and you. Then verse 4, I, and then the word you comes in again. Verse 6, I, and you comes in again. And so we have this emphasis here that the covenant is made with the individual. It's made with Abraham. 
Now this covenant, it's not a kind of religious contract of employment. Very formal, austere, and um, uh, intimidating, and cold. No, the word covenant here signifies relationship. I and you. It signifies closeness, companionship, friendship, the ability of Abraham and God uh, to walk together. It signifies coming together. It signifies sharing. It signifies belonging together. It signifies harmony and love and provision and peace. It's a beautiful word. It's a warm word. And so discovering who his covenant is with, it is with Abraham, the individual. And every one of you here this morning who's been saved by Christ, God's covenant is with you. And it's an everlasting covenant with you. And that's a remarkable thing. Because covenants that men break today, even a legal covenant, you can actually get out of that. If you feel that you don't want to fulfill uh, being a trustee any longer, you can legally be released from that. And today the covenant of marriage, many walk away from it. And they say after 10 or 15 years or they become tired of it. And they look for someone else. But you see the covenant that God makes with us. He will never grow tired of us. He must say I now prefer to have somebody else. He'll not abandon us. He'll not say to us. Well actually you're not meeting my standard. And I'm going to go and work with someone else. No his covenant. And Christ is with you, and with me, and it's with us, and it's everlasting. And we are safe, and we are secure in this covenant. But it's not just with individuals. Let's notice here how this covenant is also with households. Because the Lord speaks not just to Abraham in terms of between me and you. He speaks also, verse 7, between me and your descendants after you through their generations, way, way into the future, down to the coming of Christ. Verse 8, to your descendants. Verse 9, your descendants after you in their generations. Verse 10, between me and you and your descendants after you. Verse 19, with him. Isaac, um, that is, and for his descendants. So this is a covenant that is not just with Abraham, but it's with Abraham and the future generations. But notice how it's also um, not just his descendants in the future, but all who are in his household now. Look at verse 12. Where the Lord says to Abraham, every male among you, whether born in your house, whether bought with your money, 
Verse 23, every male among you, the men of Abram's house, they were to receive the sign of this covenant. So here is Abram's household. And there's the boy Ishmael, 13 years of age. And he has lots of servants, as we saw a number of weeks ago. When, remember that army that he assembled to go out and fight and to rescue Lot? And the body of men. And all of these men, because of Abram's faith, they now are brought into covenant blessing. They're going to learn something of God and of his salvation in Abram's house. They're going to know that this is a man of faith. This is a man of holiness. This is a man of prayer. This is a man whom they are to honour and to follow and they are to honour and follow his God. And so the covenant is with the individual, Abraham, and it's with his household. It's with everyone that comes under the umbrella of Abraham's care. And that's still the case today. God's covenant with you, with me in Christ. His covenant of salvation. It's not just with you as a single individual. There is a sense in which God is at work in your household. He's at work in your family. And we find that in the New Testament. Last Lord's Day evening, we were looking at Luke 19 and the case of Zacchaeus. And what did the Lord say to Zacchaeus at the end? Today, salvation has come to you. Absolutely. But that's not what he said. Salvation has come to your house. What God had begun in Zacchaeus' life was going to spread throughout his family, his household. And that's at the heart of the New Testament scriptures as well. That God and his covenant with us in Christ, that it incorporates those who are within our house. Now that doesn't mean that they're automatically Christians. But it does mean they have privilege. Children, boys and girls, because you're growing up in a home with a father and a mother who loves Christ. You are embraced within God's covenant. You have blessings. You have privileges. You're prayed for uh, every day. You're given a Christian example every day. You're taught the word of God. You're growing up under the ministry of God's word in the church. That's his covenant. And you see Paul again writes about this. The church in Corinth was largely a Gentile church. And they had no background in the covenant. But Paul writes to them and there's lots of um, difficult situations in terms of male-female relationships. Uh, here's, a, here's a man or a woman who's been converted, but their partner is still not converted. And Paul says, the converted partner brings a blessing to the unconverted partner. And God sees that unconverted partner in a privileged position. He says, otherwise, uh, and he talks about their children, even of that Union where there's a Christian and a non-Christian talks about the children being holy. They're set apart. You see, that's because of the covenant. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 12 to 14. 
So his covenant is with individuals. His covenant is with households. And then we see his covenant is with the nations. It widens out again. Look at verses 4 and 5 and 15 and 16. Verse 4. You shall be the father of a multitude of nations. Verse 5. Your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now when we read through the book of Genesis, we realise that Abraham becomes the father of the Edomites. Esau. Um, comes in Abraham's line. Ishmael. And there's the tribe of the Ishmaelites. And then there's the tribe of the Midianites. Three small tribes. Three small nations. But there's going to be a multitude of nations. That see themselves related back into Abraham. What does that mean? Well again Paul explains in the New Testament. Because he says that. And Christ uh, taught it. And Paul picked it up. Uh, and uh, he said that um, people are going to be saved from not just the Jewish nation. But all the nations of the earth. And Paul described Abraham as the father of all who believe. Romans 4. Galatians 3. Galatians 4. And so, whatever nation people come from, and they come to faith in Christ, then that's because of God's covenant right back to Abraham. A covenant that he made with the nations. That the gospel would go to all nations, ultimately. Verses 15 and 16 show the same thing. Because here now the name of Sarah or Sarai has changed. And uh, Christ says to Abraham, you're going to have a son through Sarah. And her name is changed also to emphasize that God's covenant ultimately is for the nations. That's very challenging, isn't it? Do we have a concern for the nations. Do we have a burden for in the nations? Do we pray for the nations of the earth. For the salvation of the elect from those nations? We should. Because God's covenant with Abraham in Christ is with the individual. It's with the household of the individual. And it's with the nations of the earth. How rich, how glorious this covenant is. How broad, how expansive it is. Discovering who his covenant is with. That, I hope, is the heaviest part of the sermon this morning. So let's look now, secondly, at discovering what his covenant is provides or ensures or secures all of those words all of those verbs um, could be used discovering what his covenant provides what is this covenant about and there are those today who will say well this is just a national thing this is just God taking 
the Jewish people uh, and it's only for them and it's some kind of political covenant. But let's look and see that it's much, much richer and deeper than that. The opening, sorry, the opening half of this section of Genesis 17 is packed full with words, all of which emphasize blessing. And that's the key word, spiritual blessing. We could say salvation. Uh, and all that is contained in that word salvation. The blessing that the Lord intends to shower upon Abraham within his covenant. Look at it. And you'll see how the Lord stresses here that within this covenant, Abraham is going to have a personal, perpetual relationship with God. To be God to you. That's forever. Abraham, you are in a personal relationship with me through the Christ who will come forever and ever. And then notice how it will mean this covenant and how it provides and how it secures not only a personal relationship with God but a productive, purposeful life for God. Abraham, look at what God says to him. Look at the promises God makes to him. Verse 6, I will make you fruitful. Verse 6. Verse 4, you shall be the father of many nations. Verse 2, I will multiply you exceedingly. I will establish, verse 7, I will give, verse 8, verse 6, kings shall come from you. Just think how this man is being enriched. Make, multiply, establish, give, exceedingly fruitful. Those are big, big words. And so Abraham is going to have a fruitful and productive life. He's not going to go down to the grave with unfulfilled potential. This man is going to reach all his potential that God has for him. And he's going to be a channel of blessing for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years to come. Is that not wonderful? To think of God's covenant in Christ. It doesn't simply mean that you and I have a personal relationship with God that is permanent. Though that is wonderful. And if that, was, if that were all, that would be enough. But it's not all. It's so much more. You in this covenant that God has made with you in Christ, you are going to have a productive, you're going to have a useful, a purposeful, a fruitful life. And we need to believe that. Because perhaps you can look around and sometimes I hear of 
fellows who went to school with me. And I, I know of two of them who are headmasters of large schools. Uh, and you hear of others who've gone and done something else. And sometimes the devil can come and say to you, Harry, what have you done? What have you achieved? And we need to remind ourselves that as Christians, wherever the Lord places us, we have productive, purposeful, fruitful lives because of his covenant. And whatever limitations we have, whatever challenges we face, we still will have productive, purposeful lives. But it even goes further than that. There is not only salvation now and a purposeful life, there is also a promised inheritance. Because look at verse 8. The Lord promises him the land. He's going to inherit the land of Canaan. But hold on. Abraham has been in this land for 24 years at this stage. And Abraham doesn't own as much as a square inch of the land of Canaan. Hebrews will describe him in the New Testament as one living and tense, moving from place to place. And yet, the reality is, Abraham and the generations to come will inherit that, will receive that promised inheritance. He will receive it. And you and I, we have a promised inheritance. We have an inheritance now where the Lord has placed us. But we have a future inheritance, which is heaven itself. And then ultimately, when Christ comes again, it's the new heavens and the new earth. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. What a glorious thing it is, the inheritance that we have in Christ. So here's what the covenant provides. Personal, permanent relationship with God. Productive, purposeful life. Promised inheritance. It sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And it is wonderful. But let's realise that these covenant blessings don't mean there won't be difficulties. These covenant blessings that are so rich and so glorious, they don't mean, and we shouldn't think, well, Abraham's going to swarm through life and without any problems. Abraham will have a fair share of problems. Yes, over the remaining, the next 75 years of his life. A couple of chapters time we'll read of the heartache of having to send Hagar and Ishmael away. There's a heartache now of having to accept that Hagar and Ishmael is not the line of blessing. There will be the anxiety for his nephew Lot in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. There will be that testing of his faith on Mount Moriah. There will be the heartbreak when his beloved wife Sarah dies. 
there will be the challenge of finding a godly woman for Isaac. Yes. He's all these blessings. But the blessings, wonderful and rich and real though they are, does not mean, or do not mean, that there won't be difficulties, there won't be trials in Abram's life. And so you and I need to recognize that also. That there will be in our lives. Yes, alongside all these wonderful blessings. That God provides in his covenant. There will be trials and tribulations. There will be challenges and there will be setbacks. And when you're tried and tempted. And when you're facing challenges and setbacks. Do not lose sight of the provision. The blessings that are certainly yours because of God's covenant with you in Christ. Have you discovered the depth and the breadth of the blessing that it is to be in covenant with God in Christ? We have this personal, permanent relationship Nothing can change. And then we have this fruitful and useful life. And then we have this glorious inheritance laid up for us in heavens. In heaven. Let's notice then thirdly this morning. Discovering what his covenant requires. Discovering who his covenant is with. Discovering what his covenant provides. Discovering what his covenant requires. And remember, these are the treasures, the treasures of this covenant. And the requirement of the covenant is summed up in verses 9 and 10. As for you, you must keep my covenant. Verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep. So what does it mean to keep the covenant? Two things. It means faith. It means believing everything promised. Abraham, 24 years ago, came to faith in Christ. By a sovereign, mighty act of God. When he was worshipping false gods in Ur of the Chaldeans. God laid hold of him. Revealed himself to him. And gave him the ability to see and to look to Christ. To save him. That's when his journey of faith began. And there have been many ups and downs in this journey of faith for Abraham. And every day since then. He's had to live by faith. And for the next 75 years of his life, until the moment he dies at 175, how is he to live? By faith. And so when the Lord reveals these things now and, and brings these new things to his attention about the covenant, the covenant is going to be established, Abraham, as I always have said, through Sarai. 
not through Hagar and Ishmael, that son of your works and your own efforts. It's going to be established through faith. Abraham has to believe that. There's a debate about the laughter. Is it the laughter of unbelief? Or is it the laughter of joy? Psalm 126. Our mouths were filled with laughter when God Zion's bondage turned back. Is it the mouth filled with laughter of joy? May well be, because God doesn't bring any reproach to Abram for laughing. And in fact, he tells Abram to call the son uh, Isaac, which means laughter. In other words, you're to be reminded, Abram, all your life of the laughter, the joy I brought into your life. And you see, it's Abram's as he responds in faith. And you and I, we have to live by faith in Christ each day. No point in saying, so many years ago, I trusted Christ. If you're not trusting Christ today, if you're not living by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today, in the circumstances that are unfolding in your life, if you're not grasping and laying hold of the word of Christ as it comes to you in your life now, in your circumstances now, as it reveals your sins now, as it brings to you the challenge to follow righteousness now and obedience now, if you're not living by faith now, that response that you made whatever number of years ago, there's something wrong with it. There's something lacking in it. Because you see, the covenant, to keep the covenant, requires not that at some point in the past just I've responded in faith to Christ. It means every moment of every day, every situation, all my life through, whatever Christ brings, I respond by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Are you keeping the covenant? Are you living by faith? Have you lived by faith in this past week? And led hold of the word as you've read it? Or as it has come to your attention. Keeping the covenant. Means. Believing. It's revelation or it's, uh, it's. It's message. As it comes to us in scripture. But then there's another thing here about keeping the covenant. And it means receiving. It's sign. To keep the covenant. Is a sign that Abraham had to receive here. Verse 11. The sign of circumcision. The cutting away of the small piece of flesh of the male reproductive organ. Painful. Man of a hundred years of age. And Abraham had to keep the covenant by applying the sign to himself. To Ishmael. And yes, Ishmael was growing up 
within the covenant. But Ishmael would never believe. But he also would receive the sign. And then every male that was bought into his house. Or every male that was born into his house. All the men that day that were in Abram's house. Every last one of them. Down to if there was an eight year old baby boy. Was circumcised. Because that was needed. To keep the covenant. They had to each receive the sign. Under the headship of Abram. Of the, the headship of the household of Abraham. New Testament. It's the same covenant. It's a different sign. The sign now is a bloodless sign. But it also speaks about the application of salvation. The sign now is water. Baptism. And if we're going to keep the covenant... You've got to receive the sign. You've got to receive the sign. Baptism. That means if you come to faith as an adult, you've never been baptized before, you are to be baptized on your profession of faith. That's plainly evident in the book of Acts. But we've seen this covenant is even greater than that. Because it means that then your household, when you uh, are in this relationship with God, your children, if you have children born into your household, what are you to do with the baby that's born eight days, of, uh, that is born into your household while it's a baby? What are you to do with the child that is eight or ten years of age when you become a Christian? And your child has never been baptized. You're to receive the sign. That's how you keep the covenant. Because this covenant of salvation that God is working in your life, not just for you, he's at work in your household. And that's why in Acts we have those references to the household baptisms. Cornelius, and also um, with a reference to Lydia and her household, and the Philippine jailer and his household. And you see, here were individuals who believed, and they had a household. And uh, keeping the covenant of salvation meant believing the gospel, that meant receiving the sign. Of salvation. Baptism. For others. If they believed. For those there in their household. Even though they may not have. That, have at that point. Believed. So we ask ourselves. I ask you this morning. Are you keeping the covenant? Receiving its sign? Rejoicing in its sign? If we received it already. Because it is something to rejoice in. Our baptism. And then. It's keeping this covenant. It means obeying from the heart. Obeying from the heart. 
And that's what Abraham's doing here. He's obeying from the heart. Obeying and loving the Lord God in all that he asks of us. And loving our neighbour as ourselves. But what's the alternative to keeping the covenant? Well, it's to break the covenant. And look at what it says about breaking the covenant. It says those that break the covenant, they will be cut off. So here this morning, we're discovering the treasures of God's covenant in Christ. Who this covenant is with. The individual who believes. The household of the one who believes. The nations of the earth where there are those who believe. We're discovering what this covenant provides. Salvation, fruitfulness, eternal life. And what this covenant requires. That we keep it by receiving salvation by faith. And then receiving the sign of salvation by faith. And living out the salvation. May the Lord enable us to not only discover the treasures of his covenant but to keep it in Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our God and our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one to whom Adam and Eve looked in the Garden of Eden so that their sin would be taken away And we thank you for the blood sacrifice that was begun there, which pointed forward to the Christ who would come. We thank you, Lord God, for the covenant revealed to Noah. And we thank you that there too it was established with him through sacrifice, the shedding of blood. We thank you for the covenant with Abraham and how uh, the same covenant being disclosed more and more and being revealed in fuller and fuller ways was also established through the shedding of blood. Lord God, at Calvary, the covenant was as secured as Christ hung there on the cross and all its blessings, salvation, And it was through the shedding of his blood. We thank you Lord God. Today for the sign of the covenant. Baptism. And we thank you that this sign. Is as rich. Indeed it is richer. Because it is applied not just to the male. But also to the female. And we thank you Lord God. That it signifies. Your salvation in Christ. Lord God, help us to discover these glorious treasures in your covenant. We thank you that it is with us as individuals and our households. And we thank you that it is with the nations where men and women will believe. 
Lord, help us to rejoice that our lives are fruitful and useful now and productive now. O Lord, help us to know that we will inherit heaven and also the new earth. Lord, enable us to keep your covenant from our hearts, to keep it by faith, to keep it in love, to keep it in obedience, and to be encouraged and strengthened by the signs of the covenant that you give to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. While we're singing from Psalm 103.